0: Hey, what is up guys? Welcome to the first guest episode of the Noble Pursuit Podcast, where we take the first step on your journey to becoming the best version of yourself. Um, I am with a really close friend, colleague, who's been there throughout my whole really journey to becoming who I am today, uh, Grant Ziak. Um, Grant and I have known each other for the last four years, and I couldn't have ask for a better first guest to come on the show. Um, Grant and I dive into our journey together. We dive into my most recent discovery of who I am and allowing myself to be. We go into moments with Grant over how he found himself, over where he found his talents, how he noticed those, um, how he evolved his skills into who he is today. Um, I think you guys are really going to see us have just a genuine conversation, which is what I want to have here. If you go take a listen to the first ever episode, I go into my expectations of this. And I want this to be just dope conversations with dope people. And this is definitely one of them. So before we get to this episode, as always, if you guys enjoyed this episode at any point in time, subscribe to the podcast on YouTube and Spotify. Go share it on your Instagram story. Go leave us a five-star rating and review. You guys can go head over to Morphogen Nutrition use code SPEDA for 10% off all products. Go follow Grant and I on Instagram and social media and tag us on your stories and other than that i really hope you guys get to enjoy this episode and let's kick it off let's welcome on grant ziak what took you there we're just gonna go
1: yeah what were you saying what 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 took you there uh the people so Uh, you you still work with mark right
0: yeah so mark is still my coach but it's just like All that, all of these people are like my best friends. And honestly, I still work from home and I have a remote job and I'm like, I'm not going to live somewhere where I don't want to like, just like be and kind of be on my own. I'd rather kind of experience life with, with my friends and be able to kind of do that. So it's just like, ah, it's a good time to move. I was like, my lease is up. I was like, there's no better time to head up here. And right now, and I was just like, oh, we're just going to do it. We're just going to see what happens. So how long, how,
1: long, how long have you been up there?
0: I've been up there since uh, May 5th. So, about, okay.
1: So, so you just, you just recently moved up there. Yeah. All right. Just wait, just, just wait till it hits the winter time. And you're going to be like, oh. I'm really glad I'm in an area, but it's a trade-off. It's a trade-off though, because now you're in an area where it's like, it's so cold and the weather's like that. But then it's like, you also have, if you have like amazing people around you, doesn't even matter.
0: See, see. So here's the thing. So I actually, my friend invited me up here in November. So I came, so I actually moved up here in January and I stayed at my friend's place and lived on her couch for like a month and a half. Yeah. So like I went through January through the middle of February and it's just like, it's just brutal. Just snow every like other day. You're (laughs) like, cause the trade-off is when you're, when you're up there, cause you know, you're up there and you're like by the lake. And it's like, yeah. ah, it's really nice during the summer. It's like being at the beach and everything. Like you just get like that nice oh, it's, breeze. <laughs> but then it just, it's just, then it just like hits you.
1: And you're like- it's both, and then, it's both extreme. It's like the most extreme contrast, especially where I'm from, like up in Port Clinton, because, you know, like we were up there, we were just up there for Christmas and we got hit with that, whatever that, uh, you know, the polar vortex or whatever they call it. And it was like, I mean, I mean, it was like, it was extreme. And my wife has only ever lived in like- Texas, like in Houston or Florida, South Florida. And I mean, when she was traveling with WWE, I mean, she would be in like, she was in like Green Bay when they got extremely cold temperatures a couple of times. And she'd hit up, you know, like with WWE, they would literally they go to places that are super remote and cold because people will come to those kind of things. So like that was the time she would experience it. But like what we experienced when we were up there, I mean, she was like, Man, can we even let the dogs out right now? This is crazy, right? So It's just it's it's wild, but then you go, you know, you get up there this time of year and you're like, this is not the same place.
0: Yeah, no. Yeah. So I came, so I actually, first time I came here was about a year ago, just under a year ago. Um, I came to go visit Mark. So I stayed with Mark for about a week and it was like a hot box, like the end of of June, the end of June, that beginning of July is just like when it starts to just like change. And so like, it's going to hit here in about like a week (laughs) and then I'm going to be like, yeah, I don't want to live here anymore.
1: <laughs> Dude, it's, and here's here's the thing is what you realize up there is because you get all the seasons all the time. So it's like you don't ever have an opportunity to fully adapt to any one thing. So no matter what, when it gets really hot, you're like, oh, my God, this is insane compared to what I was just used to. And then when it's really cold, you're like, oh, I just got used to the warm weather. And for for, for me, at least, when I first moved down to South Florida, it was miserable. I I, I moved down to uh, South Florida at the very beginning of Jan- or May. Uh, in like 2019. I was like, what is this? This is insane. It's so warm. And then we moved to Houston, which is even more humid because it's it's landlocked. So there's no like coastal breeze. And but I've totally adapted to it to now when I go home and it might be 60, 70 degrees, I'm like, man, it's pretty cold up here. Like this is chilly.
0: I'm not used to this. I'm a little baby now. Yeah. It's it's really weird. It's for a lot of people who don't know, Grant and I have known each other what, four years now? Three, four years, I think four years. 25 now. Oh, okay. it's been I think it's probably about five years. Probably yeah, about it's five been years. a minute, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of crazy how we've gone like full circle. Like you started in Ohio when I met you, and now like and now <laughs> you've fully moved, and now like I'm up here in in man yeah, Um, and it's just crazy to see like how far like we both come. Like that's yeah. why I wanted to have you on because it's just like it's been a crazy journey. And- see, before
1: we get before we get going with anything, I just want to say it's one of those things that it it doesn't happen until it happens. And you always know. And I I feel like with you, I've been in this really cool seat and like I see your stuff pop up from time to time. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I've got to get a lot better about being on social media. Mm-hmm. But it's like when I am on and I see your stuff pop up and I see your your bodybuilding stuff to know where you came from and to see you like. Truly transforming. Like, I mean, it's to a point now where it's like, it's really impressive, man. Yeah. Like it's real, it, it's truly impressive. And, you know, it's one of those things that I give credit to you. I give so much credit to you because the mind like you've had this mindset of like this big bodybuilder the entire way, you know? And yeah. it's like in a lot of things and a lot of like the psychology work that we do. I get to witness people just drop off of it so fast or actually have it and they can't even see it. And mm-hmm. it's like, you saw something that wasn't there and now you've created it. And it's just, you know, my hat off to you.
0: Thank you. I think it's really funny because I actually want, because I funny you brought it up. Bodybuilding is like, it's not even like an identity anymore. Like, you know, I know. what I mean? Like, it's just like a part of life.
1: Like with things. But how, like- but how crazy is that? The thing you chase for so long, you attain it. And as soon as you attain it, you go, it's not actually my identity anymore, and you realize it's everything that you did to get there that created the true character, and it's not even created the true character of who you are; it exposed the true character of who you are, and it, it, like it exposed it to yourself.
0: Yeah, like really, I I always say bodybuilding actually gave me like all my friends and everything who helped me grow into into me. Like that's yeah. really what it is. Like it's not even like like that's why I enjoy bodybuilding so much because it's just like now it's just so fun. Because I've let go of any of the expectations of being big or anything like that. Like I don't need that. It's just a part of, it. and it's just and it's just having fun with it, right? And that's why that's why I feel like especially as of late I've progressed so much with it because I've I've kind of let go of like those expectations, and I think a lot of people Whoa. struggle with a lot of people struggle with that. Is yeah, is they get so attached to it, and they make it everything. And there's a lot of life to live, like outside of it like you know what i mean oh
1: how, 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 how old are you now
0: what are you mean? 25 25 maybe? yeah i'm 25 six in october so it's october what 27th
1: wow man have, I'm, celeste is october 7th i'm october 10th mm-hmm. so so just about ex- actually exactly 11 years older than you and to see to see the time the time gap and like just the the psychology behind stuff and it's like my, my generation, I'm like, God, I feel old now. But saying things like my generation is like, that's the whole thing. And it's so cool to be in the position I get to be in and do the work that I do to witness people in their early 20s working with us. Like, I'm like, you want to work on yourself? You're 21, 22 years old. I'm like, I was trying to butt chug a beer. Like, <laughs> it's insane. But then you look at like just the scope. And the, like the things, I mean, honest to God, the things you talk about at 25, I, I felt them. I had no idea how to articulate them. I had no concept. I had no formulation because nobody around me was doing those things. Like it wasn't, it wasn't talked about like mental health, uh, self or self-development, all of these things. They weren't topics that got talked about back then. In fact, it was kind of, it was kind of like the idea of an entrepreneur, even back mm-hmm. in the day, being an entrepreneur, you were like a loser. Like you yeah. were someone that was like, you're crazy to do this for yourself. Mm-hmm. so I think it's awesome I think it's so cool to see
0: yeah it's it's a I mean I think it's just I've grown up so fast in a way like like you know my whole backstory and everything like life kind of just came really quick so like yeah. I kind of got over that bullshit and you were also like you know we were both in the bar industry at a time mm. you get so you get so like past that stuff after a certain bit and you're just like um oh, I'm, I'm over all like the drinking and the partying and everything and you're like, uh, I'm. Like you just want to develop you, right? But it's funny. But it's funny you say that though, because
1: you know, even to back up what I just said, we just uh, we just wrote a collective. uh, Celeste and I together wrote a uh, each individual and then a collaborated article for this. uh, It's called Rise of Happiness, which is a a magazine in the UK, and we just submitted it yesterday. We were kind of like rehashing some of these things that we haven't really given a lot of attention to in a long time. And part of it was you know talking about the bar industry, and it's like you're saying 25, and you're like, man, 25 you know, we've both been in bar industry and, you know, kind of get over these things, bro, at 25, I was at the pinnacle of (laughs) downing a bottle of crown a day, like chasing it with a two liter of Coke. And it's like, treating my body like trash. Like, so to me, again, once again, I'm like, my hat's off to you. It's like to be doing it this much earlier. And I think, I think a lot of, uh, a lot of times, you know, people in their twenties kind of get this, this rap from, you know, 30 and 40 year olds, 50 year olds, even that it's like, you're too young. Shut up. You're not a life coach. You don't know anything. You haven't done this and this. And I think it's just relative. It's 100% relative across the board. And I think it's, I think it's people, you know, my age, I'm 36 that if anything, man, I'm fucking jealous. I'm so jealous that you have like a 10 year head start on me because I see how much I've grown in the last six, seven years and it's like to think that I could have, if I had three, four or five more years, and even the scope of things that I was exposed to, even throughout those years, exponentially so much further along. So it's, it's so, it's so cool.
0: Yeah. When did you, when did you kind of find you then? So you're like along this journey and it's like, when was that point when you actually found like who you were through it? Um.
1: So it was, uh, it was actually like one super defining moment for me, which is, which is weird to say, because. I had felt these things my entire life, my entire life, like the things I do now, the things that we do in our business that I express, that I share the gifts that I think I have that I utilize to help others. I've, I've had them my entire life and I've known it. I just didn't know what it was. And I thought I was weird. I thought I was like a little freak. Like I thought I was this little weirdo. So I just kind of kept to myself and it's kind of cool to actually talk about this right after we just gave all this intentional time to writing these articles and digging up some of this stuff is it's like, I felt like all growing up, I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere, but if you would have saw me, you would have been like, you're the man, like you're the man, like you're the jock, you're the, you're the stud, you're the football captain, all these things. And to me, I felt like I didn't fit in anywhere because I felt like I fit in everywhere. And it took me a really long time to realize All I could focus on was I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. I didn't realize it was because I did feel like I fit in everywhere because I saw a little bit of myself in everybody. I felt like I empathized with everybody. I felt like I understood the jocks who were shoving a nerd in the locker, but I'm like, I also, I feel like I'm also the nerd getting shoved in the locker. So I kind of started writing this line and I couldn't ever explain it. I never could understand what I was doing. I had no formulation to it. Why I used whatever status I ever had to protect the people who I felt like needed it who didn't have the strength to protect themselves mm-hmm. um and i was like well i'll do it because i don't feel like you know i'm willing to be discarded by the jocks or this popular group because i don't feel like i fully fit in with them either and i can't deny what i feel about these people and i feel like they're just as cool and i just feel like it's perspective and it's societal conditioning but this whole thing happened in uh 2018 like the beginning of 2018 i was i just gone through like. A uh, pretty gnarly business endeavor where i kind of like lost everything and at the exact same time of all people ben pakolsky was with me and we were training it was arnold weekend and we were training uh in columbus we were working out one morning my buddy had just passed away the night before like we were at the night show and we got a text that uh one of my friends had overdosed he had relapsed and he had overdosed and he had died And so like a lot of emotion, I think when there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of emotion, you get a lot of things come to the surface for you without even trying to do it. And it was this moment where there's this guy in a wheelchair and I just launched this t-shirt company and Ben had one of the shirts on and we're in a gym. You're with Ben Picholsky and you're like, you're the man, like you're the epitome. Everybody wants a photo with you. It's Arnold weekend. And the business endeavor I just came out of was one where it was supposed to be us, us, us. And it was just him taking the limelight of everything. And so I felt like I was just on the back burner, and this guy in a wheelchair was uh, talking to me about the shirts, and I was like, "Yeah, just kind of great." He's like, "Oh, that's really cool." I did my next set, and he goes, "He goes, hey, can you get a picture?" And I was like, "Oh, sure." And I went to grab his phone, thinking he wanted it with him and Ben, and he goes, "No, man, I want it with you." And it was this—it was like the smallest gesture, and it wasn't like this egotistical thing. It was just this, this. It, it threw a wrench in my operating pattern. It threw a wrench in the, the, the belief system that I had that was like, I'm always going to be second fiddle. I'm always going to be Scottie Pippen, never Michael Jordan. And because of that is like, you downgrade yourself you, or you always take yourself back. So whatever beliefs you have about yourself, you'll carry out the behavior that, that backs that up. And in that one moment, is just like, he did it. He just looked at this guy in a wheelchair, looked at him. He's like, man, he's like, this is the coolest photo ever. And I remember like, I just started crying. Like I'd been through like the last three, four months leading up to that were pretty difficult for me. I'd gone through a lot, felt like I lost everything I'd put so much time, energy and effort into. I felt like a fool. I never, I didn't listen to any of the people around me suggesting, you know, all the due diligence I should have done. And I was just passing it off. I was always giving everyone the benefit of the doubt. And, uh, that one moment I was like, dude, I got me like I 100% got me. Like I'm so capable of this.
0: I think that's, it's really hard for a lot of people. I think we kind of we kind of go together a little bit. So many people feel like misfits and they don't feel like like they're worthy of what they can achieve. I think that's where a lot of people kind of get stuck in is in that thought of like are, are they actually deserving of what of what can come to them? Which is why things don't come to them. Right? right. Is it like their own their own limiting beliefs are holding them back.
1: Right? Well, and, sometimes it's actually that it's it is there and they have it. And because they don't believe they deserve it, they can't even see that that opportunity is sitting right in front of them.
0: Yeah, I, this is something that I just went through recently. In the last like month, my friend's been helping me a lot through this, and it's just like from my past away, I've been conditioned. Right? Is is I've been conditioned to know that good things are going to end, and that I'm not worthy of what it what I could get, and it's fully like flipped around in the last like month over like oh, I know I can get it. Right. And I think a lot of people get like that skill set, like you said, that that it takes a while to understand even what your skill set is. Right. Like for me. Mine, it's really hard to even explain because I don't think people get it until you actually like talk to me or anything like that. It's like my ability to connect with anyone and make anyone kind of feel heard and anyone kind of open up and give them the space to open up and connect. Um, Do you know why that is? Yeah. It's my, it, it's just the way I've grown up. Right. Um, it comes from, it comes from being that kid that was always like bullied and never having anyone that I'm so open to helping other people fill their own cup up through that, because that's how I fill mine up, um, and sharing that space. So it's, I'm just a kind soul as my one buddy puts it. Um,
1: and it was well, it's hard to it's really- this, it's, the similar, it's the similar thing. It's the exact same thing. It's because you see yourself in other people because you've experienced it yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you want to fact, like everybody could resonate with ideas and energy around social media. And it's like, look at what everyone does with social media. They think they have to put out this polished, perfect idea of who and what they are. Uh, a fancy car, look at like the f- nice house I'm in, or even the individual, like I have to have my hair done or cut, or I have to have makeup on the right way. I have to exact right angle or whatever it is. And it's like, <clears throat> that's cool, but people don't actually resonate with that. People don't resonate with other people's dreams. You might have some people around you who love you, who think it's cool. They don't actually resonate with it though, because that's your magic. That the, the things that we want, the dreams, the aspirations we have are magic. That's like unique to each individual. It is the pain that actually the pain and the shame and everything that we all avoid, letting anyone know about us that actually bonds us all together. Like when you told me your story the first time, the reason I took to it so much is because it was my story. I understood aspects of it in my own relative way. But if you came up and be like, man, this is what I want to do. I have this dream. This is my goal and everything. It's like, that's cool. I mean, like I could help you probably try and get it, but it's not, it's not me. It's yeah. like, we all actually connect on pain.
0: Yeah. Which is a really weird thing, right? Like you wouldn't think, you wouldn't think that that would be true, but it's just like, everybody goes through pain and everybody's pain is different. Right. And I think that's where people start to tell their own stories with things. And that's where you really start to understand someone and how, and how they are the way they are. Like that was a big thing that I found through the last month is why I, why I am the way I am. Right. And that's been like the biggest, that's been the biggest shift. And like you have to go, and like you said, like you had to bring up things when you were writing your article, like you have to go digging for it. And it's not like a comfortable, um, it's not a comfortable thing to go through whatsoever. It's very uncomfortable to have to go and dig those up because at least for me, a lot of people, like I, I forgot most of it, right? I kind of blank it out. Like it's, there's a lot of black spaces into my past yeah. and it's very hard to bring those things up because my body wants that safety right um but i think a lot of people also they find that they find that gift that they have and they don't know how to use it right so like how did you find your gift and then be like okay now i know like how to actually use it towards where you want to get to feel that if you don't
1: mind i'd like to hit on something you just said though about how you're saying it's like it's 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 you know it's really uncomfortable to dig into your past it's uncomfortable to do these things and it's like if you think about it Think about, I'm, I'm sure anyone listening, you have driven somewhere that you drive all the time, maybe 20, 30 minutes away, and it's a regular a regular routine thing. And so think about it. You're driving this massive vehicle, probably on the top end, 70 miles an hour, on the low end, 35 miles an hour, depend. So you're moving at a rate that no matter what, if you hit something, you can kill yourself, kill others. Get into accidents so easy. You have stoplights, stop signs, turns, all these things. But somehow you can travel up to like probably 30, 40 minutes away and you go, holy shit, how'd I get here? And it's because you've done it so many times that your body knows how to do it better than your brain does. And they've now turned it into a habit. And it's like, think about brushing your teeth. You know, like you don't think about brushing your teeth anymore. You put toothpaste on the toothbrush, you just brush. But when you were a kid, you had to turn the egg timer over and you go, okay, I got that one, got that one, got the inside, you know, got the inside of that, whatever. And it's like, you don't think about these things anymore because you forget how hard of a struggle it was on the front end. And the same thing is true with all of our pain points. And, and like, we don't like pain. Your brain has four main functions. The first one is uh, survival. Then it is to avoid pain. Then it is uh, energy Uh, like to be as efficient with energy as you possibly can. The last one is pleasure. So your brain's last goal is to create pleasure in your life or to seek pleasure. And it's not even that it's seeking pleasure. It's that everything else is cleared out of the way for you to go after things that make you happy, feel good, and fulfilled. So at no point is your brain going, I want to make you feel good. And then you got to consider that your brain takes up 5% of the entire mass of your body, but it consumes 25% or more calories of all that you take in. So it is literally trying to be as energy efficient at all times. So when we're running on habits, it's a, it's a set program. We don't even think about it. Your brain, your frontal cortex doesn't have to fire. When you try to implement something new, you try to add change and do a new diet. It's not that you're a lazy piece of shit that is hopeless. It's that your brain is literally firing going, no, man, we do not want to do it. So it sends out all these other ideas of things you should do, self-doubt as flack to stop you from doing this new behavior and this new habit. So it's like digging into the past. There are reasons you became as efficient at operating on a habit, a habitual way of blocking and coping to block the painful things out. So now when we're in our twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, and we're trying to dig back in, it's like you, it's like a trap that you set in your own brain that you're trying to overcome now. And as you try to do that, it's a new way of behaving that your brain goes, dude, do something else. So on top of digging into the pain, it actually feels so uncomfortable and it's telling you to go do something else.
0: Yeah. And some—it's funny you brought up something actually, which is it takes a while to get to the point where you like can actually be happy, right? And and I think it comes from my my pivotal point within the last within the last month, and I've been wanting to dive into this a bit more, and I'm ready to kind of share it. Is like I finally like I had I had a meditative session. And during that meditative session, I did a time travel meditation. My friend had me do a time travel meditation and I went back and I remembered all the things I possibly could about like my 17, like from 12 to 17, when I went through like severe bullying during that time frame. And I looked at it in a third person view and I went to my 17 year old self and I let him go. Like it's, it's very hard to describe the moment that I let him go, but I, to give people a view over what they want to see. Um, what I went through is I could see him kind of locked up and I had the key and the key would fit into the lock. Right. But it wouldn't turn and it wouldn't turn until I told him that he could trust me and that I was proud of him. Right. And I think this is where a lot of people get stuck in their past and what stops them from becoming like who they could be is because they're not proud of who they are and they don't have trust in what they've been through and they don't have trust in where they are now to get to where they want to get to. Right. So that was like the biggest thing for me in general was just telling him, you could trust me because I had a lot of issues with trust in people and relationships. And that's where a lot of my faults were, but it really was just like, it wasn't really trusting other people. I couldn't trust in other people. Cause I couldn't trust myself. My body wouldn't that's allow sad. me to
1: do that. Yeah, man. 100%. Dude, that's powerful. And it's like, I, I, I bet people listening to this, a lot of people listening to this aren't even, it's like, I'm going to encourage anyone listening to this to go back and listen to what Anthony just said, because that really, that's very, that's very profound. Like it's very, very profound because we bring all of our trauma with us like a backpack. And we don't even realize we're doing it. We go, yeah, this thing that happened when I was 10 or this thing that we would never make the connection that 20 years later, it still affected me in the way I believe, trust and do everything, because it's just like the whole concept of putting a frog in boiling water. Like you didn't just wake up today and go, hey, I think I'm going to behave based on the way I did when I was 12. It ha- it was 12 into 13, into 14, into 15, 16, 17. And it, and it just curved and shaped everything the whole way along. And it's like, but if if you put a frog in boiling water, it jumps out. But if you put a frog in water and you turn it up one degree every minute for however long, it'll have let itself cook to death because it won't even realize what is happening. So the stimulus is so slow and gradual over time. It becomes a conditioning that like you believe and we wake up and when something really bad happens, we just kind of replay it in our head the next day. And then we carry it into projecting and having fear of what's going to be in the future, but all the while having the shame of what was in the past. So we're never actually in the present moment to go, this shit is not happening right now. So we play it over and over and your body doesn't, it's so unobjective. It does not know the difference between you thinking the thought in your head and actually experiencing the trauma in real time. So we're truly re-traumatizing ourselves over and over and over. So we get to a point where if something happened where you felt like you couldn't trust yourself, that can carry with you your entire life. And you said something so amazing is it was all about, it's not that I couldn't trust other people, it's that I couldn't trust myself. And it's like, think about all of our emotions that we seek out from others, love, trust, validation, acceptance, being seen, heard, understood. It's really a lack of those emotions and feelings that we have for ourselves all the way, because it's like from a very young age, think about permission alone. You start out with permission with your parents, you know, can I stay up late? Then as teachers, can I go to the bathroom? Then as coaches, can I have a water break? Then as professors, can I have an extension on my midterm? Then as bosses, can I have next Friday off work? So we literally, every step of the way, it's things that we're asking other people, can I have this? And at no point do we go, I'm allowed to give myself permission to be whatever the fuck I wanna be at any stage, any point, live the way I wanna live and truly create the life I want. Because we see so much of our pain, we don't realize we are the creators and the created all at the same time. And I'm not talking, I'm not getting into a religious concept now. I'm just saying truly, you jump off a, of, you jump off your one story roof, you land on the ground and you break your leg. You chose to do that. You created a broken leg. Like you chose this is the path I'm going to go. But we look at the pain points in our life and we go, someone else did this to me. No, you put yourself into a position that said, this is all I'm worthy of. And that's what brought you to that scenario, that situation, that relationship, that friendship, that business endeavor, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. because if you had a different belief system about yourself, you would have had yourself somewhere else at that exact time. And as soon as you can own that about yourself, it's like, dude, all the power comes back to you. So it's an, it's, that's, that's awesome. I think that's so awesome. And it's, and it's hearing and catching up with you now in real time through this podcast, it's like to witness from a distance, just kind of like to witness your evolution of things. It's like, it's so cool and it makes so much sense. Like you can see these things are happening for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's <laughs> literally like the past month has just been breakthrough after breakthrough in a way. And it's actually quite overwhelming, right? Like I talked about it. It's a very uncomfortable feeling. But one thing that I always that I actually was talking to a friend about is I was like, really overwhelming to be this happy. You know what I mean? Um, in terms of things, of course, Zoom is gonna give me a 10 minute warning here. So we'll probably have to restart our session. It's okay though. Um, but you like I was telling my friend, it's very overwhelming to feel like this good. Because you never get used to, right? Because anytime, at least in my lifetime, and I think a lot of people, is happiness is such a fleeting feeling for people. It, it, Cause it's it it happens in a moment and then it, it's gone. Right. Like they don't think it can be continuous throughout right. their life. And they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting for it to disappear. Right. right. And that's where I was too as like a 17-year-old. Like, like literally, I had a fear of abandonment right so mine was like okay i have these people when's it going to go away right and that was how that that became like my desire for validation my desire for attachment my one thing that absolutely broke me and it took me a while to do this my my no boundaries clause right like not protecting myself like opening yeah. up myself to everyone to allow that right and not saying like no at certain points yeah. so i think that that's that's been like the biggest breakthrough is happiness is actually all the time. If you allow it, if you allow it to, right?
1: Well, it's kind of like, it's kind of like jumping rope. You know, when you're jumping rope, and you start out jumping rope. It's like, you keep catching your foot and you're like, damn, damn, damn. And then you get going and you get a little bit into it and you catch your foot again. And then all of a sudden you start going and you haven't caught your foot yet. You're like, okay, I made it over that one. And I made it over that one. Oh, shit. And as soon as you go, I'm doing it. You go, oh my God, how soon am I going to mess this up? And then boom, you mess it up. And then you Mm -hmm. get in your head. This used to be such a thing for me. Like if I was trying to do 100 jump ropes, if I I could get all the way to 90 and I'm like, oh my God, I only have 10 left. Okay, now I'm at 95. It's got to end up at 98. Fuck, messed it up. And it's like the ability to realize the thoughts that you have your brain will find all the evidence to create the behavior. And even if you're telling yourself, I'm going to mess up this jump rope, your body's going to correspond to the thoughts that your brain's telling you to do, like mess it up, change the rhythm. Something's going to happen and you're not even trying to do it. It's the whole idea of like what you tell your brain you're looking for, it's going to find it. It's your reticular activating system. Like whatever you tell yourself, you're going to find. So if every day we're waking up and we're afraid of everything leaving us, eventually we're going to carry out the behavior that's going to push people away from us. And then when they leave us, we're going to go, see, I told you. And then it reconfirms that feeling and that energy to us, or we find ourselves, we put ourselves into a position where we find ourselves away from everybody. However, we have to create it. It has to make sense. Like, And that's what becomes our stories. So talking about stories, it's, you know, you asked how I like discover like my skills or whatever. And it was, it was the first like, kind of like outside of just fitness coaching that mm-hmm. I had done. I I was running this program and I had this, um, it had become really, really strong with me. Um, I really felt like people were literally telling me, like I could hear what they were saying, but it was almost like in a movie that like where a grenade goes off and they try to make you just like a, like a, like a ringing in your ear that you can kind of hear and everything's quiet and you can hear the faint sound of like maybe your combat buddy next to you like yelling, but it's like very muffled and it's quiet. That's what their voices sounded like to me. And I felt like they were just looking at me being like, I hate my wife and this is the, what I struggle with. And I resent my children or, or I'm cheating on my husband or I don't know how to do this business. And I don't, I, I've, I've tried chasing other things. And it felt like they were so directly saying these things to me and I ignored it and I ignored it. And I'm like, man, like I must be crazy. And finally one day I had this guy and I was like, God, it was It was probably three weeks into working with him. And I felt like he was literally telling me these things. And I, I straight up told him, I was like, man, I'm going to say this to you right now. And I just, I'm not trying to attack you. But, you know, I prefaced it for probably five minutes. I was so nervous to actually share what I felt like I was experiencing. And I laid it all out to him. And it was that. I was like, you know, I, I, I feel like you're saying that you resent your child, that but you don't know how to express that or share that. And it's not that you hate him. You love him but it's like it's so uncomfortable how much you love him and at the exact same time wish you hadn't had him because what you are in grieving of continuously is the life that you thought you were going to be able to have because you never had intended to marry the woman who is now your wife. You probably wanted to have some fun. You hooked up with her. She got pregnant and now you're in this marriage and you feel like she hates you and you guys don't connect at all, but you have a child and you're stuck and you're like, I'm supposed to be the man and you come from this strong Italian family. And literally the entire time his face is just like looking at me and i'm like oh my god i'm i'm gonna keep t- i just i just kept spewing stuff because I, I didn't want to stop talking because i didn't want to hit that awkward moment where he's like what are you talking about and then fire me as a, <laughs> a guide, to a coach whatever and i got done talking and it, i was like so what does that make you feel and like it was probably three seconds but it was it felt like an eternity and this dude just started, he broke down and like, I mean, cr- like grown ass, big Italian dude crying like a baby and probably for five minutes. And when he got done, he was like, how do you know that? And I was like, I don't, you told me that. He's like, what do you mean? And immediately, you know, he started panicking, thinking everybody knows all these things about me. And what I realized, like in my body, I was like, oh my God, this is it. Like I knew it right then. I was like, this is It. I have it. I know what I do. All these things that made me feel like, I don't know, like Harry Potter or an outcast or weird little kid that like had these like gifts that like I could literally hear what people were saying. And it just made sense to me because I realized I walked this cusp my entire life. I had one foot in this world of trauma and pain and all these things. And which was my dad was my relationship with my father, uh, this abusive alcoholic who beat everyone and lived his life through this lens of aggression and anger and regret for all the things he never accomplished in his life and trying to vicariously live through all of us. And the other side that I actually grew up in, which was like my mom, my grandma, my uncle, my sister, my grandpa, like, and it was this thing where I didn't actually, I, it's like a, like I was a, um, what is it? A Christmas Carol where he gets to go around and look through the window and view everything that's going on. And like, that's what it felt like. I got to view all these different, worlds. And there were totally different extremes. So as instead of being immersed in any of them to feel the pain of trauma, I mean, like I got my ass beat plenty of times about my dad, but I immediately also, I didn't have to stay there. So it wasn't this continuous feeling of unsafe. I got to get pulled out and go back to my mom's where I, I was only done at my dad's every other weekend growing up and be raised by my grandma and these strong, powerful women. And these men who were so masculine that they didn't need to pound their chests. It's like they empowered the women because they felt so comfortable in themselves. So I got to experience these two totally different extremes. So I got to see pain, which we already said is what we all resonate on, but I got a different perspective at the same time. And I realized that when I would talk to people, I'd hear all of their pain and they just couldn't see a different perspective beyond that because they weren't exposed to it. And it's just like the four minute mile. If you don't know something else exists, you would never in a million years think it's possible to have it because we just grow up slowly. This is my life. It's like, I always like to compare when we're all born, we're the exact same, you know, we are all born with the same basic human needs. And at that moment, it's like a Plinko chip on the prices, right? Like you have no idea where you're going to end up. Like it bounces down and it's all of your different experiences, your upbringings, your traumas, your good times, bad times, everything you experienced throughout life of how you go about fulfilling those human needs. And it's like, and then you wake up one day, You go, this is life, but it's just your perspective and your perspective creates your reality. And if you've only ever had one perspective because it feels dangerous and unsafe in your body to consider something else, because so many people think acknowledgement is condoning. So we are afraid to acknowledge another possibility. We're afraid to acknowledge a different perspective, acknowledge somebody else's viewpoint of maybe how am I actually causing the issues? Because then it feels like we're condoning it. And if we're condoning it, well, then my story doesn't hold up and I'm the piece of shit and I'm the bad person. And it's, again, it's just a coping mechanism. So when you can step back and you can experience a different perspective, it's like, oh my God, like I can have a different life. I
0: don't have to, like, this isn't
1: where I have to stay stuck.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's a huge component to masculine and feminine energies. I think a lot of people and I and I recorded an episode about this and this might release actually before that episode because this is a very profound episode for me um but before we get to it I'm in a very very feminine environment and I think for a lot of males it's really tough to do that because they want to pound their chest right and they want to be that tough guy but I think that's where like your friend's truth finally started to come out because you were able, able to listen and understand. And it's not even like, and I don't know how to describe it because I think we're very similar in what we get. Like you can just read patterns. It's reading words. It's reading how they say things. It's reading how they there's react.
1: A, there's a glitch. Yeah. People have a glitch because here's the thing. And like you were saying earlier, it's you know it's like we do these coping mechanisms. We start developing our stories and our stories are essentially a, our overall coping mechanism and our story, what we would compare it to our stories, uh, like our personal story that we tell the world that we accept to ourselves, that's the part that sounds like the 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 grenade went off in the background. That that's the part that kind of gets blurred out to me because to me I'm like you're you're full of shit. Like this is just if you're comfortable saying this this like you can like you can pick up on when people it's like, it's almost like it's rehearsed. Like I say this so much and I say it and then you start. And if you talk to people long enough, or over the course of a long period of time, you can even hear the shifts in their stories. Because this—it's—it's it's crazy to realize that I think it's after six months. Uh, uh, once you get about six months past, like a trauma, a bad situation, or whatever, or a, a certain part of your story, up to fifty percent of it starts becoming manufactured to justify to your own, and you don't. Even, and it's not intentional. So just as like it's like you might stub your toe. Well, I stubbed my toe and because I stubbed my toe, I didn't work out this week, okay? But after three or four months, that doesn't really hold up as a really good excuse anymore. So it has to become something more like, you know, I I rolled my ankle, I rolled my ankle and then it becomes, I had shin splints and shin splints is like, I actually tore out, tore my knee. Once you get, you know, three, four years later, you're at Christmas, you're telling the story that four years ago is I stubbed my toe and now it's, yeah, I had to get knee surgery. And you don't even... Realize it again, it's that very slow incremental conditioning of what you feel comfortable with justifying to the world as to why you are where you're at. You know, and you said it at the beginning of this. You said, I wanted to find figure out why I am the way I am. Most people don't want to look at why I am the way I am. They go, I'm too busy justifying why I am the way I am because it feels like such a threat based on what the world would think of me. For what I am, because I'm ashamed of what I am, because I don't think what I am is worthy. And it's like, what are you saying that on? Like, we just did a show the other night with the supplement company we work with, mm-hmm. like our whole ambassador team. And we did it all on self-worth. And it's this idea is like, where do you find your sense of self-worth? You know, we asked them. And it's kind of like, what's the number for 911. Like the answer is built into the question and you ask somebody where they find their sense of self-worth. And it typically always comes down to these things that involve other people outside of them, outside of the self. And it's based on this evaluation that we do of what we assume, not even what people tell us, what we assume is worthy and deemable of self-worth in other people's eyes. Like, am I good enough based on that? And we don't ever realize We are doing that and we're basing it on other people who are literally doing the exact same thing back to us. They're going, I'm not good enough for what they think of me. Like, what do they think I want? So it's like this whole weird game where there's almost like this uh, avatar of each of us out in front of our own true bodies with our own true stories communicating to each other on this very surface level. And then we wonder why so many relationships, friendships, all these things are surface level and they crumble so fast. It's because we operate on this very surface level.
0: Yeah, because because to really to uncover who you are, you actually have to kill your ego to do it. And not many people want to do that because one thing when you when you do this, this is the biggest thing is you realize how far off your path you've been. Right. And that's where you're like, you can kind of have this moment. And I had this moment where you're like, fuck, I wasted the last three years making these decisions on what other people thought instead of following what I wanted. And a lot of people think that that's selfish, right? To think that'd be like, Oh, I'm going to follow what I want. But that's really where you find those true relationships and the, and your true genuine, like passion and where your drive is, is following who you are in, in all of truth. Right. Like that's the biggest thing, but to do that, you have to be willing to kill that ego that is there. And it's, I mean, ego death is never, never an easy feat. (laughs) Whatsoever will call you to question a lot. Um, it will probably cause you to question everything and good. And I say that to people now, I'm like, question everything. Like, this is why I like to coach young people, like people who are like right out of college. Because I was there and I made these mistakes in the last three years. I've been out of school and it's like, I want you to figure out your like. I want you to find who you are a lot quicker than a lot of people will, because the sooner you do it, the happier you're going to be and the happier you can be for the longest period of time in life is like how life should be lit. Well, on top of
1: that, also, it's everybody has a gift in them. Like truly, everybody has something unique, special to them. Now, when I say gift, you know, I'm not saying everybody's Michael Jordan and everybody's, it's like, but in your own relative, right? You are like, cause it's your own unique set of experiences and perspective. Nobody else has the exact same perspective that you do. So if you can tap into that, it truly creates who you are. And that's a very unique perspective that nobody else has ever considered the exact sequence of things in that way. And like, what you're saying is, is when you, 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 You know, ego death, all these things is, and you, and that's what creates these relationships. Is because you start putting out your true signal. It's the true signal of who you are. It's almost like uh, people's. We spend so much of our life, and and rightfully so. You know, it's like you grow up wanting your parents' love. You feel they're angry at you sometimes. That's why that's why anger works because kids will adapt to try to be good enough for the love that they're trying to receive. I don't like not receiving that love. So let me be what they want me to be, you know, whatever it is, you know, being at this time, do the chores, whatever it is. But we start, it starts small. We start cultivating ourselves to say, I have to be like a chameleon and become what someone wants me to be in order for them to love me, as opposed to realizing maybe people could just love me exactly for who I am. Not everybody, but there are people out there. And that's what, you know, you just said, it's like, I'm starting to cultivate these true relationships and there's no diff, or there's no coincidence that you're cultivating these, these very immense relationships now. And you're experiencing this level of happiness now. And you're feeling like you're stepping into so much more of yourself because you are now being surrounded by people who are like, everybody is just a reflection of you. Like the things that you see in other people reflect to you. And I love, I've always loved the saying, I'm not who I think I am. I'm not who you think I am. I am who I think you think I am. So if you spend all of your time around people who are insecure that are seeking for you to fulfill something within them because they haven't done the work on themselves, then you are always going to be a disappointment to them. And that's what they're going to be expressing and reflecting back to you, no matter what your intentions are. So you're always going to feel like you're a disappointment. You're always going to feel like I'm not good enough, no matter what I am doing. So then you're going to feel like my actions aren't good enough. Then you go, my identity is not what I think it is because if there were... These people would feel my love, how much I care about them, what I want for them. So you start questioning your own identity, and when you question your own identity, you lose your sense of self worth. And it's like, but when you truly put out your signal, like we are all. So again, think about what we talked about: is like your brain's priority list is survival, and then avoid pain avoidance. So if pain avoidance is number two, that means we are going to be more focused on not feeling the pain of rejection before we're focused on trying to attain the feeling of acceptance. So we're not worried about who is my true tribe. Like, look what people do on social media. Like, what do you want to see from me? It's the silliest thing I've ever heard because it's like, share what you want to share. And naturally the right people are going to come to it. And naturally, yeah, people are going to leave, but we're so focused on not having people leave that we're like, we're literally saying, I don't know what you people want from me that are going to leave me. So tell me what you want from me so I can appease you also. So I don't have to experience pain. As opposed to going, let me just share everything because here's the crazy thing. We're so focused on giving the people who don't resonate with us what they want so they don't leave us that in doing so, we are literally rejecting the people who accept us for who we are. It's yep. like you have this whole pool of people that love you exactly for who you are, but you are refusing to do that and be that thing in order to receive the acceptance from the people that you're afraid of rejecting you. Yep. That you re- And it's like where you feel like you found now is you found your tribe of people who accept you for you because you put out who and what you are. They could find it. It's like, there are so many people out there looking for you right now. Exactly what you are. The niche of you. Not, what is your niche? Let me say it's all these things that can make me money or make my business so good. It's like, your niche is you. The things you're interested in, the things you are. Because there are enough weirdos out there that like those exact same things that feel and resonate on the exact same level.
0: Yeah, it's really funny because... um I remember that I was starting this. Right. And for a lot of people who don't know, I mean, if you listen to the first episode, um, I had a podcast called the Ace of podcast, right? I did it for three and a half years, but it transitioned from and Grant was like one of the first people actually on the show. Um, you can go listen to my horrible my 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 inexperience recording a podcast and deeper level conversation when we when we first initially did it. Um but I remember starting it. And that was like me starting to find my path. And then I started to veer off of it and I started to be like, okay, what did what, did, what do other people want to hear? Right. And then I started to just like get comfortable in that. And I started to get comfortable into who I had on. And like, I stopped doing guests. And I talked to this about a friend. There's a reason why I started this thing now. And it's because like, this has meaning to it. Like me podcasting has a ton of meaning to it. Um, and, having these types of conversations are what lights me up right at the end of the day. Like, this is why I could talk about this all day. This is why I could podcast all the time because obviously, like I said, my skill is connecting to people. And so, but it took me realizing, Oh, I have lost myself along the way to I'm finding myself again. And it's just like, it's been an incredible journey. And that's why I'm just like, like, this will be my best project I've ever created. And I, don't question it till the next one. I don't know if there will be, I don't know if there will be a next one after this, cause I'm going to make this one like go forever. Um, well, there, there you go.
1: But the evolution of this, mm-hmm. see, that's the thing. Even, even what you're doing right now, don't psychologically lock it in that. I don't have greatness beyond this because it's yeah. like, the crazy thing is, it's just like today you're 25 today. This is the oldest you've ever been today. The way uh, Celeste and my businesses, is, this is the greatest it's ever been, the, the most successful it's ever been, the happiest, the most fulfilled we've ever been. But it's just because today's today. But look at any time throughout your history, any pain point, any shame time, it's like, oh my God, my life is over. This is, everything's right here. But it's because that was the moment you were in. Now you're past it. You look back and you go, you little silly asshole. You were so good. You were so fine. You had so much more life ahead of you. You didn't even realize that That little thing does not make that big of a difference but it's because the moment of whatever we're experiencing right now feels like it's going to last an eternity. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I have no doubt just after what I've witnessed from you over the last few years, dude, you're going to create great stuff the rest of your life. Yeah. Like it's, And it'll only just keep evolving more and more and more and more. But everything you just said that you went through, it's all—it's what people don't typically allow themselves to do. It's like this back and forth extremes, like pinging off this side, then pinging off this side. But as you come back, you realize, I don't like this as much. And you come back, but you don't go all the way this way. You come closer to this side and then back to this side and then back. And you closer and back. And eventually we're right in the middle, which is where you are right now. You're very aligned. And it has no wonder. Like, And I realize your fitness journey has been sort of linear in the aspect of you went from being this scrawny kid to like this bodybuilder so it's like but i mean i realize you know there's diet all different kinds of dieting phases throughout but overall what would you say the best health shape everything you've ever been in is probably right now yeah (laughs) and how ironic You've left the you've you've dropped the identity of bodybuilding. And so you're not hyper focused on that. And you're happy and you feel good and you feel fulfilled. And here's the craziest thing. We spend all of our life chasing the external, the external body, the external, the financial to tell the world how successful we are, the relationship to tell the world I'm desirable. Like, look, there's proof somebody wants me, but most of us will chase a body our entire lives. And the crazy thing is, is the moment we start fixing the internal, the external just happens as a byproduct. And then that goes on forever because your body holds everything. Your body is your subconscious mind. Your body is the long term. So when you and your brain go, we're going to get in shape, you're not going to outwork your body. Your body does not give a shit about your ego. Your body does not care about the next trip, the selfie you want to take, the stage you want to step on, the vacation you're trying to go on, the girl you're trying to look good for, the guy you're trying to like, nobody, it does not care. All it cares is that when it evolved 50,000 years ago, all it cares is to stay alive, you know, so you're not going to outwork it. And if you're holding all this trauma and this anger and this aggression and this stress all the time, and your body's constantly pumping. Most people don't even realize you're nervous. Most people's nervous systems are elevated pretty much all the time because for men, once you get triggered, your nervous system stays active for up to nine hours and for women up to 24 hours. And how often do you ever just do like one thing that triggers you? One thing triggers you and then you spill your coffee and uh, it makes me even more angry. You reset the clock and then you get cut off in traffic 20 minutes later. Uh, you reset the clock and we just stay in this aggressive, angry place all the time. And the crazy thing is, is when your nervous system is kicked on, when you don't feel safe and that's so much of what it is, when you don't feel safe in your body and your nervous system is on, when your nervous system kicks on, your digestive system shuts off, your excretory system shuts off. Your sex, your sexual reproductive system shuts off because it's, it's shutting all these things down to channel it, to be able to fight, flight, freeze, or there's all different kinds of Fs that people add onto it now. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's preparing you for either running away or to fight. So it's going, these things don't matter. And then people go, why can't I lose weight? Why don't I have a sex drive? Why can't my body change? Why do I feel like this all the time? I feel angry. I'm an angry person. You're not even that angry. Is that you have all this cortisol and adrenaline pumping through your system. And just like we said about habits, your body gets on a habitual schedule. It gets used to it. Your body wants efficiency more than anything. It's the same idea of like you work in nine to five and you wake up at 6 a.m. Every day, Saturday comes, your body doesn't go, oh, it's Saturday. Let's sleep in. Your body wakes up at 6 a.m. The exact same way. But if you sit, if you sit in rush hour habitually every morning at 8 a.m. and get angry and get pissed off and these chemicals are getting released in your body. Guess what? On Saturday morning, same thing. It doesn't know the difference. It doesn't know we're not sitting in rush hour. It goes prepare for the the habitual thing. So next thing you know, you don't have rush hour. You don't have people cutting you off. You don't have a boss. That's yelling at you, but you're releasing the same chemical to fight. And then you have to channel it somewhere. You go pick a fight with your significant other. You react to your children. You, you 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 don't want to show up to your friends or the groups or you you feel triggered by stuff. And you go, I, I'm socially awkward. And it's not it, like we don't realize there's this whole chemical cocktail that's getting released in our body because we don't want to take the time to go, oh, maybe it's me. Maybe something's happening within me.
0: You want to know the moment that it really clicked over what I was doing and how I knew that this could be, well, this was the next thing that I needed to do. Um, I was doing an anonymous Q&A and normally these never go well, but someone, I told someone about what I was creating. Um, And normally now I'm actually very quiet over what I'm building, right? Like this podcast hasn't released yet um, at the time that we're recording, because like, I'm not ready for it to be released yet because I've been waiting for the, the time where it feels right for me, which I think a lot of people don't do in general, but someone, someone goes, I feel like you lost who you were in your last podcast. And they were like, I'm excited to hear what you're going to bring and getting back into podcasting because you're starting to show your authentic self. And that's why I decided to remake what I wanted to do because I'm like, I have to leave what I created for three and a half years, which gave me, it gave me everything, right? Like that project gave me all my, relationships with people in this industry, like the amount of guests I've had on that show and the star power of guests was insane. Right. But I, like I said, I started to lose my way, but to see that come from someone and to observe that and someone observing that that's when I knew I was like, okay, I'm where I need to be. And like, you're going to get signs of that. Like people don't, people realize, okay, how do I know I'm living in my truth and living in my alignment? There will be signs. You're going to notice it's like a really like peaceful state. Like I said, it's going to be very overwhelming how peaceful it is, but you're going to notice like you just wake up one day and you're like, it's all good. Like, and I don't think a lot of people see that because they still have that, that tendency to go back into, okay, how long is this going to last? You're just like, it's all good. Like, that's when I knew that this was what I'm supposed to create and how I'm going to create it. Is by just having, like the guests I want to have on, no matter the followers, no matter what, and have deeply rooted conversations because this is what I love doing, right? And I love coaching, and it helps me on a personal level than with one-on-one people, right? Have those have those profound effects, but this is where I can reach millions of people, eventually, and hit home with a lot of people. And so, what's your metric for when this is going to feel right to release? It's, it, it may be here. <laughs> I've been waiting to have in a conversation with someone to where all this has come out, and yeah. it might be this one. <laughs> well, well, I'm just you know, just, you, just, know you feel I'm, it. You know you feel it when you feel it, right? Like it's, yeah. it happens in the moment. If I can tell you, it was really odd to have my first guest back on the show. Right, I recorded my first one almost a month ago. Mm-hmm. It's like got to get back into it. Right. But once you get back into it and you start to find your flow with it, you're in it and you're so present in it with the person like I have I have an outline here right now here. We followed none of it. Right, (laughs) That's where where I know that that's the turning point for it over being like, okay, I'm ready to do it because I don't want to follow my outline in general. I just want to let the conversation just go. And mm. not have to worry about oh, a single thing over how does this sound? How does this question word it? You know, like we've been asking questions back and forth.
1: It's you not what that is. Yeah, It's trust. You are mm-hmm. trusting yourself. It's, it's, I can trust myself to riff. I can trust myself that I can trust what I feel more than anything. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the most beautiful aspect of all. And I think that's the aspect that people are the most out of touch with. Because we spend most of our lives, like we said, in a habitual state, elevated state of fear and not feeling safe. And when we feel a threat, we get heady, we go to our head, we get logical about everything. And your brain, like we said, it does not care about making you happy. It hyper focuses on the threats. So it starts looking at everything. And the more we can get back into our body through things like breath work, through things like ice baths. You know, I, I did a thing the other day because, you know, everyone's talking about <laughs> ice baths now and like, oh, like it's bad for this. It's, bad. Bucket. it's not bad for anything. Okay. It's not the most ideal thing in terms of like helping you with the, the, um, inflammation in your body right after training in terms of, uh, recovery, but it's so many people that see it as this thing of recovery. I see it and I used to treat it as recovery also until I realized the, the neurological effects that it has, the ability to intentionally put myself in this state of stress and be able to calm myself down through my breath, through literally communicating with my body. And if you would, if I would have heard me saying these things like five, 10 years ago, I'd be like, man, what are you like some kind of tree hugging hippie? Like, what, <laughs> are you, what, what are you talking about? To really be like, you can communicate with your body because the truth is, you are not your brain or your body. And it's like, you know, with your, with your history, uh, it's been something I've considered before. And if people were truly honest with themselves, every single person has at one point in their life contemplated suicide, at least contemplated it. Everybody has been hit with enough adversity and enough pain to even just say, "Not." I'm not talking like plan it out, attempting. I'm saying to even go, man, maybe it would just be easier if I wasn't here. So if that is the emotion in your body, which your body is a recollection of all the emotions, experiences, and feelings you've ever had, and then matching it with your brain, which is a recollection in a Rolodex of every memory you ever had. It's like trying to match cards, like, I feel this, what is this in my past? It's this, so we can label it and call it something. So if your body and your brain are firing to say, man, maybe I shouldn't be here, there's gotta be something else going, don't do it. There's gotta be something else saying, man, there's there's more. There's a chance, there's hope, there's something. And it's not your brain going, hey man, I'm, I'm holding on to some hope. It's your consciousness. It is literally your consciousness. Your con- Like this is just your vessel. This is just, it's like, think of it like your astronaut suit. Like you can't walk through space without an astronaut suit on. You couldn't walk around this earth, experience touch, taste, sight, sound and smell with a nervous system in a body. If you didn't have this, this is just your meat suit. So the quicker you realize that this thing just comes with a set of default mechanisms, just like your cell phone, that it's like factory settings. You can go into the back end of your cell phone and turn off, you know, how it's tracking you, your location, ads, whatever, all this silly stuff that it has in there, sending all your information to China or whatever. You can turn those things off and it becomes yours. Now your body and your brain come with the same kind of mechanisms. And dude, got to love them. They've gotten you to this point. They've kept you alive. But there are some that don't need a fire all the time. And when you start realizing that through different modalities and different methods, you have the ability to just toggle those, some of those settings off and put yourself back into control, put your brain or put your consciousness back into control of what you want. Like the times we get anxiety and that voice outside of us is like, God, I fucking hate this. Like, what is it? Why does it feel like this? What is going on? I hate feeling like this. you're trying to convince yourself it's not whatever's happening isn't happening that your consciousness talking and it's like we all have it but most of us just are not in touch with it we don't trust it we don't want to listen to it and it's like dude you're literally in charge it's you you can live this existence any possible way that you want i don't care what you've experienced i don't care how painful it's been i don't care how much trauma you've experienced and i'm not negating anyone's pain or experiences throughout life i'm simply saying man like it exists and it is possible But if you hold yourself to your story and your identity is just one of pain, which we all like to identify with our pain, because that gives us a reason why we have not accomplished the things yet in life that we have, that becomes our identity and your identity literally becomes your pain. So to release your pain becomes releasing your identity and to release our identity feels so uncomfortable. I'm untethered from everything. So why would I ever release it? So if you really want to change your life, start shifting what you're identifying with in your life. It feels like a threat and no, it's going to feel like a threat. On the front end to say, I identify as the shit that makes me happy in life. Like right now, if I told you I'll pay you $50,000 if you were to brush your teeth with the opposite hand, with your non dominant hand for the next 30 days, you go, cool. Next tomorrow, you wake up, you pick it up with the the same hand you do every day, and you go, oh shit, because your body just knows how to do it better. So even when you know there's a massive benefit for you to make a change, your body's going to habitually go back to doing the same thing. So you have to literally overwrite it day after day after day after day after day. And since your brain's set up for energy conservation, you have to go, I know it's going to be uncomfortable. You tell yourself that on the forefront. So like that's what we do. That's what we do for people. We explain to you. We get you to understand and formulate what is happening in your life, what is happening in your body, what is happening in your brain. Because when you understand it, it doesn't affect you the same way. You see it. It's like you can literally see it and be like, huh. And when people literally can start breaking these things down, like they don't want to believe it at first, we'll literally lay it out to you like piece play by play by play. Yeah. And then when it, I'm like, cool, when it happens, fucking laugh at it because you can go, <laughs> oh my God, because if it plays out that way, if it plays out that way, if the natural thing, and I'm going to, I'll even tell them this the natural thing is going to be, you're going to create a resistance because it's go, I, I can't accept this because then he was right. And if he's right, then everything I experienced is wrong. I'm like, you can even laugh at that. Let it just be this anomaly where you keep floating back. You surrender to it over and over and over and over and over. And you're going to eventually go, oh, my God, if this is what's really happening, maybe my existence in reality is not what I think it is. And that means I can change it to become whatever I want it to be. And it's just going to be a struggle on the front end. The first thing you just have to do is admit, I can change if i don't admit i can change your brain doesn't have a destination to shoot for that's all a plant medicine journey is that's all you that's what you did in that breathwork session it's like you created a new target it's a whole bunch of 4 minute miles being ran for the first time over and over and over you know nobody did it one person did it then 10,000 people did it why it's not that those 10,000 people couldn't do it before it's not that you couldn't change before it's that there was nothing saying this is possible so why would i ever push myself why would i ever like maintain this pain and you can maintain as much pain as you want when you know what the reward is on the other side if yeah. you don't have an idea of what that target is and it's just risk there is no reward
0: really funny looking back at everything it's like this is going to be the first episode back on this thing and it's like you're the first person i ever told things to you know what i mean like you're like literally like before i came out with it i think it was like a year even before i came out with it like all my backstory like you were the first person Right. It was just a random, like out of the blue. Right. And, and it cultivated into like a friendship and it cultivated into like us getting to know each other on a deeper level and having multiple, multiple conversations throughout the last five years. Right. And this is what it means to like be present. Like, I don't think people understand what it means to kind of be present with one person. Right. And be present with self. That's why I didn't follow the outline. I could have easily been like, "Ah, oh, we're gonna follow this outline and do this, and that's how I want to do it." But no, it's because, like you said, there's a trust here, right? Because yeah. you're the first person I ever shared all my deep stuff with, in general, and so it's like there—that's a level that you can't can't kind of describe in a way, and it's hard. Well, that
1: even creates that even creates a beautiful analogy of what people do is these blinders. That outline is like blinders saying, this is what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. And when this is what I'm looking for, a lot of times you miss all the extra beauty that exists around it. And Mm -hmm. to me, that's the goal of life. The goal of life is to go from blinders to this like beautiful fish-eyed 180 vision where it's like, you can see everything all around you. And it's like, cause I always like to compare it to the color spectrum, how, you know, they say there's all these, there's millions of colors on the spectrum that we can't actually perceive. It does not mean they don't exist. It's what are you willing to see? So, like all these other realities that you exist right now, what are you willing to see? And it's not that what am I willing to see? You already see it. It's there. It ex- like you could see it. It's you. Your blinders are on, and that's made up of the pain, the conclusions you have about life. So, like when we, what we tell people is, we're so different from like business coaches, fitness coaches, relationship counselors, whatever you want to call it. Because they're all telling you how much they're going to build you. We're going to build you to X amount of figures. We're going to give you drop. You're going to drop this much weight. This is what your body's going to look like. And what we do, I did that for years. And I realized it was never, the success never happened or is only sustainable once the individual went inside and healed the shit on the inside. Because it's like, we say, and it's not sexy, but we're like, we're going to bring you back to neutral. we're going to bring you back to neutral instead of trying to build on a crummy foundation. It's like, make more money. I want to make more money. So I go to someone that's going to teach me how to make more money because I'm going to feel better. I'm going to feel confident until you make more money. And then you're depressed because you still have your issues, your internal issues. We spend our whole lives again, trying to fill internal voids with these external achievements. And it's like, when you kind of take a step back and you go, okay. And like, that's what we say. We're like, we're going to get you up to ground zero because when you're at ground zero and you're the veil is lifted, you actually know how to take care of your body everybody that eats like shit they know as they're shoving it in their mouth they go I- i'm gonna regret this in a minute and i'm gonna be sad and have shame they just don't know how to listen to themselves to go i deserve better i can have more they don't know how to go yeah my body's just firing on a habitual pattern I, i've done it so I've, I've chosen the burger so many times and now there's anything about burgers I've chosen the the cheeseburger and fries so many times, I don't even consider the salad because I I, I, I bypass my frontal cortex. I don't have to use logic to think about it because it doesn't want to use it. So it's not that you're lazy. It's not that you can't change. It's that your brain is not working in coherence with you. It's not trying to make you do that. But when you understand that, you go, oh, you, you're going to be a pain in the ass. It's like, if I told you, like, you're new to like a football team or something, and we're like, hey, man, this dude is going to haze you so bad. He's, <laughs> like, he's going to wet towel whip you and everything. So when you know it's coming, you can you kind of prepare for it, but you can also be like, I understand why that's happening. And it's like in with bodybuilding, it's so great to have mind muscle connection, right? To like understand that you can achieve so much more when you can see what's happening in the muscle, the connection, the, where the insertion pulling back to the origin of the muscle. And it's like, dude, what if you could do that with your emotions? What if you could do that with your coping mechanisms? What if you could do that with the pain in your life? And you go, ah, I understand why it's happening. So when you start feeling elevated and like you're getting angry and you go, you can literally visualize it like these like gases are getting shot off in your brain. They're just chemicals getting released in your bloodstream to protect you because you've told yourself so many times that this is a threat right now. It's only responding to what you tell it it is. That is it. And that is what truly makes you the creator and the created like you're the art and the artist and so many of us want to go no so and so said this to me and it made me feel this way no you feel that way because of the way you interpreted what they said and you told your what you told yourself those words mean. and then you also told yourself my worth is based on what their opinion is of me so it doubled it up twice as much when you change your beliefs you can start changing the way you perceive reality and what you experience it's all here for us all at once it's like everything's happened like Everything's already happened. Like, can you tell me, can you prove to me that you didn't just wake up this morning? Like today was the first day of your actual life and that everything that you think has happened in the past was actually programmed into your brain and you're not actually living in the matrix right now. Like you don't know that, that I'm not a robot responding to you. I'm just through a screen. Yeah. You don't know. And that's the thing. We only know us. We only have us. So every time, and this is something our coach taught us that every time that we feel Like our attention is going to what others are perceiving, what others are doing, concerned about what others are. Breathe, regulate yourself, come back to yourself because you're operating in a pattern that you don't want to operate in. Yeah,
0: Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if there's a better way to even end an episode. (laughs) That
1: might be the best way
0: to end something. You're going to get this thing going. Yeah, yeah, this is a great start. No. It, that's why, that's why I tell people when they come to the noble pursuit, that's why I made this into like my coaching brand. I made this into everything because literally the most noble thing you possibly could do in life is to become that best version of yourself. Like that's how I'm I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell you how to do it. I'm going to guide you through it, but you make the choice over whether you want to listen and apply and make it happen because you're in control. And that's why, that's why, like I said, I love coaching younger individuals or even people my age because they just it it clicks one day for them and that's when everything starts to change their body starts to work with them like you said it's not it's not just from what you're putting in it's what you dig into here and bring out there's a reason why in the last month i've made some of the best progress i have because i finally allowed this to release and mm-hmm. allow my internal self to regulate and be safe and be trusted. Um so well grant i appreciate you coming on the show
1: dude my pleasure i'm so i'm i, I truly am i'm so proud of you i'm, I'm proud, proud of like what you've done what you've built what you've evolved through and i know it hasn't just been this like easy route this easy journey because i know that when you started all of this you were coming out of a difficult journey and yep. it's easy when we're evolving out of an already difficult journey to then devalue the pain and the struggle that we go through in the future coming forward until you get to the future and you look back and go, man, that that was a little bit more difficult. And it's to realize there are challenges every step of the way, but everything you experience is setting you up for the next thing. And it's like, I think, I truly believe that you have handled it amazingly. Thank you. <laughs> that like means a there lot. Is so, there, is, there is truly, there is so much like people that are coming up can learn from you.
0: Thank you. That's that's my hope. That's my hope with what I'm building here. That's that's why I believe in the name what I'm creating, like the noble pursuit. Like that's why I created this because it's not just me. There's other people going to be involved in this process. I got big visions for this. I got big there you visions. go, man, that's all it is. And so it's it's just really nice to start the episode, like to start the show with you, right? It's like really, it's just like, like I said in the beginning, before we start recording, it's a big, it's just a big round circle coming back to it, right? And it, being to it, like, it's all it is. It's all everything is. Yeah,
1: Everything just comes back home to itself over and over and over. And then you sit there and you laugh at it and you go, man, what a coincidence. And there's no coincidence. It's just the energy you put out, the frequency you vibrate on, the same way you're bringing these relationships into your life now, man. Yeah. I'm so happy for you.
0: Thank you. So before we leave, where can people, uh, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you uh, or anything like that?
1: Uh, you can hit me up on Instagram. I, I always respond. Obviously it's how our relationship started. <laughs> uh, it just Grant Ziak. Uh, and then, uh, our website is just, this is And we have everything in there. Um, it's actually under construction right now for like another week, but everything's in there by the time this launches, it'll be good. Um, so we can go through anything and th- anything and everything. And just know if you have this desire to reach out or ask a question about anything you heard on this podcast, like through social media, there's not like some obligation where we're like, you need to sign up and work with us and for us to even answer you. Like that's not what it is about at all.
0: No, if it was great, I would have done that many years ago to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if you guys did enjoy this episode, go subscribe to the podcast. First of all, um, go follow on the YouTube, uh, subscribe to uh, Apple and Spotify, uh, go follow Grant. And if you did enjoy this episode, we would appreciate if you share on your Instagram story, tag both of us. That'd be greatly appreciated. As always, you guys can support your boy at morphogen Nutrition by using code SPEDA. Um, and then we'll catch you guys on the next episode of the Noble Pursuit podcast.